Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. This is a place to get equipped to make a difference for the kingdom of God. So get ready to be empowered by this message. How many of you all uncovered hidden unbelief during the 10 days of prayer and fasting that we came out of? Raise your hand if you uncovered some hidden unbelief. That's good. That's good. You know, three disguises of unbelief were revealed to me during those 10 days. Number one was timidity. Number two was restlessness. Number three was playing defense. And all three of these are unbelief, just hiding under a disguise, hiding under a different name. So let's hone in on timidity today, because I believe it's the number one type of unbelief that's keeping us from fulfilling the many prophetic words that have been spoken over this house. Timidity. Our name in itself is a prophetic word. No limits, church. Every time we say our name, we're prophesying. No limits, church. But it's time for the prophecy to become reality. We are to become a storehouse with resources so vast, we accomplish exploits for the kingdom of God. We send people wherever they need to go. We care for widows and we care for orphans. We become the leading force in Owasso. We make Owasso a safe haven until Jesus comes. And we become known for extravagant generosity. We're to become a storehouse. And it is timidity that keeps us from this because timidity convinces you to go back to what's comfortable. Timidity convinces you to wait until everything is in place before you make your next move. Anybody ever heard that one? Just wait until everything. Have you ever noticed everything doesn't come into place before your next move? Timidity keeps you from praying for the sick and delivering the oppressed. Timidity keeps you from sharing the gospel with a stranger. Timidity keeps you from multiplying your income. Religion has taught us that timidity is a display of humility. Just take a back seat and be quiet. Don't ruffle any feathers. Don't draw attention to yourself. Be timid because that's how you remain humble. Hogwash. It's a bunch of bull. It is. Timidity is not humility. Timidity is unbelief. Look at your neighbor and say, timidity is unbelief. Now tell your other neighbor, we need to make sure we get it. Timidity is unbelief. Because when we are timid, we reveal that we really don't believe that the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in us. When we're timid, we don't really believe that God is for us and not against us, and working through us. Oh my. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So according to this, timidity is a spirit, and I've noticed that it's a persistent spirit. It looks for any opportunity to turn you into a coward. I'm so thankful prayer and fasting uncovered this nuisance, because now that we know it's unbelief, we can run it off. Run off the spirit of timidity anytime it comes around. Say, I ain't participating. You aren't allowed in this house anymore. It's a done deal. No more tolerating timidity. And I'm so thankful the New Living Translation brought out the meaning of the word fear in this verse. Because other translations simply say, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. But the Greek word translated to fear is defined as this, timidity, fearfulness, and cowardice. So we're not just talking about being afraid although that's part of it. But encompassed in this word is every time we feel timid or any time that we act like a coward. Have you ever acted like a coward? Hard thing to admit, huh? 
So now that we've removed the religious covering of false humility and exposed the hidden unbelief called timidity, we can just bulldoze it out of the way and replace it with power, love, and self-discipline. And interestingly, the word power in this verse means this, miracle-working power. Miracle-working power. In other words, as soon as you eliminate timidity, miracle-working power can show up in your life. Isn't that amazing? But even more than that, the word we translate to power, which is dunamis, it takes many definitions to explain this one word. Take a look at this. Dunamis, power for working miracles. Beyond that, moral power and excellence. Beyond that, the power and influence that belong to wealth. Beyond that, power and resources arising from numbers. And beyond that, power resting upon armies. When we get rid of timidity, all of this God-given power can finally show up in our lives. Amen. Look at somebody next to you and say, God didn't give you timidity. And then shout at him and say, he gave you power. <laughs> so this word power, dunamis, is such a rich word. Let's dig into each of these definitions so we can really understand what God has given us. Power for working miracles. Timidity says that you have no right to expect a miracle from God. You should just accept your sickness or your financial woe or whatever is keeping you down. God didn't convince you of that. Timidity did. Because God gave you power for working miracles. He doesn't just want you to have a miracle. He wants you to work miracles in the lives of others. The life of Jesus was an open display of what God really wants. The life of Jesus, open display of what God really wants. Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing, right? When you see Jesus, who do you see? The Father. So by your own assessment, was there any shortage of miracles in the life of Jesus? So what does that tell us? God's will is that there be no shortage of miracles in my life. Want to know a good way to run off the spirit of timidity? Say this a hundred times each day. God's will is that there be no shortage of miracles in my life. Oh, that, that, that takes a minute to sink in. Like, I kind of feel like I threw that out there and it like hit a doink and then fell to the floor. So let me try again. God's will. God's will. This is what God wants, is what we're saying. What God wants is that there be no shortage of miracles in your life. Not only miracles coming into your life, but you working miracles in the lives of others. Here's what God wants. He wants there to be no shortage of miracles in your life. Let me try this side. Norma Jean, here's what God wants. No shortage of miracles in your life. Let's say it all together. God's will is that there be no shortage of miracles in my life. Can we prove that with scripture? John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. You mean Jesus isn't lying to us in this? Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. God's will is that there be no shortage of miracles in your life because I didn't see a shortage of miracles in Jesus' life. 
And Jesus has told you, Jesus has told you, you can do the same thing I did. Hey, <laughs> and you can do more. So tell timidity to take a hike because God has given you power for work and miracles. The only, limit of the, the only limit to the magnitude of miracles you perform is the nonsense that goes on between your two ears. That's it. That's the only thing that's preventing it. So let's say this together. God has given me power to work miracles. Do you believe it? You should because it's in the word of God. All right, moral power and excellence. Timidity says, you're always going to struggle with sin. Oh, my. That's why you hear pastors say things like, we all sin, so don't worry about it. Just do your best and trust God with the rest. You never heard me say that. I'll tell you right now, you cannot trust God with your weakness. I know that's going to throw a wrench in some of you. That's why I'm going to pause right here. You cannot trust God with your weakness. If you truly put your weakness in God's care, he won't pamper it. He won't try to keep it alive. He'll destroy it with the breath of his mouth. That's why I say you cannot trust God with your weakness. So many people think God is babysitting their sins and their weakness. They think he's okay keeping it around like a pet. Oh, no. That's not God convincing you to do that. I'll let you figure out who's convincing you to do that. God gave you moral power and excellence. He gave you freedom from sin. He destroyed sin's power over your life. And I love how Peter explains it. Peter said, by his divine power, God has given us everything that we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. You don't have to try and live a godly life. You'll always struggle with sin if you try to eliminate sin in your own effort. Anybody ever been there? Painful journey, isn't it? Goodness gracious. God didn't tell us to try not to sin. Can you guys find that for me in scripture? Where God said, hey guys, try not to sin. No, he gave us power. He gave us power. He gave us everything we need for living a godly life. How do we receive that? How do we receive this precious gift of moral power and excellence? It tells us in the second half of this verse, we have received all of this by coming to know him. So don't try to live a godly life. Rather, spend time getting to know God. The more you know God, the more of his great and precious promises you receive. How do you get to know God? Through his word. How do you get to know God? By coming to church and hearing anointed teaching like this. How do you get to know God? By remembering what he has already done for you. Oh, we're going to like hone in on this remembering business. If you were here at the communion service, that's what we talked about. We do not, we are, we are terrible at remembering. That's like all I see in the scriptures now. Every time I open the Bible, all I see is remember, 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 remember. I'm like, God, how did I miss this all this time? This is such like a, a foundational, simple truth. Remember, 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 remember. Apparently, we're prone to forgetting, 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 forgetting. So many, the key, like the one key to see breakthrough in our lives is remembering. Remembering. How do we get to know God? By spending time talking to him in prayer. How do we get to know God? By praying in the spirit. So many ways to get to know God. So tell sin to take a hike because God's given you moral power and excellence. I don't have to participate with sin. I got moral power and excellence. And it's not me doing this. God gave me this as a gift. And this power is made manifest not by trying, not by trying. This power is made not by trying, 
but by keeping God at the center of your thoughts. Remember, remember the power God has given you because of Jesus. So let's say this together. God has given me power to live pure. Glory to God. Power and influence from wealth. Timidity says that the influence that comes from wealth is a bad thing. So you need to stay poor or close to it. This sure is convenient for the kingdom of darkness because now most of the wealthy people are evil people. And guess what comes with wealth? There's a power and an influence that come from wealth, isn't there? <laughs> Do you think God would rather this power and influence be in the hands of the righteous or the wicked? We can't change the fact that power and influence result from wealth. That's just how it works. But we can change who has that power and influence. It should be us, the children of God. If God hates wealth, he must have been really displeased with Abraham. Oh, wait, God called him the father of our faith. I don't recall Abraham ever getting in trouble for his wealth. And don't get me started on King Solomon, that guy. That guy, the wealthiest man to ever live. God, God must have been displeased with his wealth. Oh, wait, it was the wisdom that God gave him that caused him to be wealthy. Clearly, God is not against you having wealth, but the enemy is because he knows the power and the influence that come from wealth. And in case you're having a hard time wrapping your head around this, you know, anytime we talk about money, it's just a hard time wrapping my head around this. Here's a scripture to help you out. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. Look at this, and you shall what? Remember. I'm telling you, this is all over script. Everywhere the Lord takes me. Remember, 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 remember. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers. Interesting. Once again, commanded to remember. How do we get this wealth? We remember that it is God who gives us power to get wealth. Why? Why does he give us power to get wealth? Because he wants to confirm his covenant. <laughs> he wants to show the people who he is through what he does in your life. So say this, God has given me power to get wealth. If you want to agitate a religious spirit, say that a hundred times a day. The religious spirit hates this. So if you feel a little agitated right now, that's probably what it is. And you should just say, just flick that thing off. I ain't, paying, I ain't doing that. Because God has given me power to get wealth. All right, power and resources from numbers. Timidity says... Keep things small. Stay true to your small business. Actually, just keep calling it a small business. Darla, you don't have a small business. You have a growing business, one that's fruitful and multiplying. Don't, don't let it grow too big. Don't, don't desire the church to grow because you can get more done when it's small. <laughs> Excuse me. While well, I search the scripture to find out where God commands us to keep things small and embrace small thinking. This book's pretty big, so it's going to take me a minute. Just let me, let, let me find that real quick. God, did you say to keep things small? God, did you say, wait, in Genesis, the very beginning of the Bible, he commands us, his very first command is to be fruitful and multiply. Hey. Hey. Multiplication is a command. Jesus confirms it in the parable of the talents. Those who multiplied were counted as faithful servants. But the one who played it safe, the one who kept it small, 
What did Jesus call him? Wicked and lazy. Uh-oh. God wants our church to multiply. We're to go from 150 to 300, from 300 to 600, from 600 to 1,200, and on and on it goes. That's why we got to get out of here and into a bigger space. We must get out of here. This building has met its limit. It's fulfilled its time. It's time to get out of here. It's been prophesied that No Limits Church is to be the leading force in Owasso, that no other organization in Owasso will have the influence that we do. But for this to happen, our numbers must multiply. It will take more than the 150 people that we have right now to accomplish this. We must multiply. Did you know that power and influence are the result whenever, or power and resources are the result when a lot of people come together? Just think of the resources that show up when the fair comes to town. Wow. Wow. So if it works for a carnal purpose, how much more will it work for the kingdom of God? We must eliminate small thinking. (laughs) Yep. When we have small thinking, you have my permission to pull out a shotgun and destroy it each time. Kill that sucker. Small thinking. Those thoughts about keeping the church small that many of us have. You have to eliminate those thoughts. You have to cast them down. Why? Because they are ungodly. Any thought that you have about keeping things small, if you have a business and you have thoughts about keeping it small, ungodly thought, cast it down and be ruthless to get rid of it because God wants us to multiply. How do I know this is true? By what happened to the early church in the book of Acts. All it took was one spirit-led sermon from Peter to do this. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. 3,000 people added to the church in one, one day, one anointed sermon. That's all it took. So say this, God has given us power to reach thousands. Power resting on armies. Timidity convinces you that you're a victim. Keep your defenses up because you never know when somebody might hurt you. And get used to weathering the attacks of the enemy because they're just going to keep on coming. But God says, you are more than a conqueror. You're the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You are to reign as kings and priests in this life. Yet the church tends to sink back into this pitiful place if we're just enduring the attacks of the enemy. We're always on the defense just trying to hold on until Jesus returns. We're going to make it. Y'all, we're going to make it. Just hold on tight. And here we have Jesus in Matthew chapter 16 saying, I'm going to build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So gates are a protective mechanism. We use them for defense. And whose gates are we talking about here? The gates of hell. Gates are not on the offense. Gates do not run after you. Gates can only fulfill a defensive role. So Jesus is not saying that when hell comes after the church, it won't prevail. Jesus is saying that the defense of hell cannot prevail against the church. So hell has built a defense to keep the church out. 
Oh, some, some of y'all get a perspective shift here. Hell has built a defense to keep the church out. Hell is afraid of the church. But Jesus has given the church power to knock down the gates. What are we going to do once we're in there? Now we've knocked down the gates, we're in the enemy's camp. What are we going to do? The next scripture has our answer. And I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The church is to go right into the enemy's camp. Hey, hey, here I am. And bind up the works of darkness. Bind it up. We're to put them in chains and lock them up. And at the same time, we're to go into hell's prisons and loose the captives. We're to break the chains of those who are bound by sin and sickness. Glory to God. We have the best defense, the armor of God, and the angels are protecting us, and God himself is protecting us. The defensive role does not belong to the church. Our job is the offense, offense, offense. Trust God to be your defense while you go and destroy the works of the enemy. Yeah. And if you go to Ephesians 6 and you read about the armor of God, you find out that all of the armor was given to you. Given to, helmet of salvation, given to you. Breastplate of righteousness, given to you. Belt of truth, given to you. Wasn't it all given to you as a gift? He gave you the defense. You have everything that you need. Yes, you got to put it on. That's the only effort that you have to put into that. Hmm. I'm going to share something with you that the Lord revealed to me last night. Going, going off, off notes here, off, off, off my script. Ah! I'm, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not really, I'm not scared. So Ephesians 6, therefore put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy at the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. Hey, peace comes from God too as a gift. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith, which faith comes as a gift from God to stop the fiery darts of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. You know what I realized last night? When the Lord had me remember that scripture, that the sword is when we pray in the Spirit. Yes, speaking God's word is a great way to defeat the enemy, but what he's talking about, let me, let me show you so you can catch this. Take the sword of the Spirit, Spirit, right? Sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, Word there is rhema, which means spoken, the spoken word of God. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, pray in the Spirit, goes right, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. So that sword that we're talking about, when we pray in the Spirit, we are speaking the very words of God, and it is our weapon. So what do we do when we get up to the enemy, when we're confident that he can't defeat us because we got our armor on? You know, he's throwing his darts at us, and they're hitting our shield of faith. Doink, doink. Doink, and we're like, all right, what am I going to do about this pest? You're going to pray in the Spirit. It's like taking a sword. <laughs> ninja mode. I'm, I'm going ninja mode right here, right now. Praying in the Spirit. 
Some of y'all need to visualize that when you're praying in the Spirit. It's going to bring some life to your prayer time. <laughs> You've got stuck in the mundane. You don't realize what you're really doing whenever you pray in the Spirit. So just imagine that sword going out. And... Hey, uh, hey, I can bring a yes. 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 And that's why we must pray in the Spirit. And we talk about it all the time here. You got your prayer language because you need to be praying in the Spirit. We need more people with their swords out there. Chopping the enemy up. The kids are going to remember that one. So are we. The defensive role does not belong to the church. If you're playing defense, you're in unbelief. You don't believe in the armor. You don't believe that God's protecting you. You don't believe he sent his angels to protect you. You're in unbelief. Quit playing defense. Remember what he's done. Remember the armor that he's gave you. Remember that he's given you angels to keep you safe. Remember Psalm 91. Remember, remember, remember so that you can go and play offense. Yes. So say this. God has given us power to destroy darkness. So the next time you find yourself playing defense against the devil, oh, the devil's attacking me. Oh, if I hear you say that. The next time you catch yourself saying that, because I know you're going to be too afraid to say that around me now. The next time you catch yourself saying that, knock it off. Just knock it off. And remember, remember, wait a minute, God is my defense. And get your rear end back with the army that we call the church. Quit hiding out in your prayer closet. We got to destroy darkness. Man, that was good, wasn't it? Help us get God's word out to everyone who needs it by partnering with us financially. Your generous giving is what enables us to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Visit nolimits.fyi to give securely online. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a message. And thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.